What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton. This is Thrillist Best and the Rest. Our weekly podcast where we lovingly dole out opinions in food, drink, entertainment, and in this case, travel. I'm here in the studio with Thrillist Executive Travel Editor, Keller Bell Powell. Hello. I put the bell in there. I like it. Sounds nice. It's my, my, my thing. It has a ring to it. Yeah. Keller, did you know that people love cheap flights? You know... I knew that. It's something that we regularly feature on Thrillist.com. Mm-hmm. You know who else features it? Scott Kyes of Scott's Cheap Flight Spain. Not Keys. As we learned, his name is not Scott Keys. It's Scott Kyes. So, something to think the about. you know. What's the number one thing you want to ask him, Killer? Mm, I want to know where he's been. Like, mm-hmm. how often is he actually traveling and out and about? I would think probably a lot. You I, know? I would think so. And how did he get so into this like how do you become so obsessed with tracking these things and like that becomes your passion your livelihood yeah do you like to fly i don't mind it really i really don't i know people get nervous and like just anxious i'm very laid back i used to like airports more now that i fly more and i I have to fly for work and stuff i like it less i get annoyed at lots of small things Mm -hmm. the first thing i really get annoyed at is the way that people line up to get into a gate or not line up. Yeah, it's like a herd of cattle <laughs> bum rushing a small little door. I mean, I think I love when people just get really aggressive and like they are standing up and looking around nervously when they're like boarding young kids and mm-hmm. service members and like <laughs> there's still like 20 minutes to go. Meanwhile, I'm at the bar like ordering my second Bloody Mary. I wonder if he cares about all these little pet peeves. If he's a check man or a carry on guy. Yeah, but I also wonder if he gets annoyed like us average travelers about things like reclining your seat or a big one someone brought up to me recently is when someone goes to the front or to the back of the airplane and they kind of crawl using the seats you know right they They like pull on the back of your seat to get there to get back to the bathroom exactly like Mm -hmm. they're climbing up a mountain or what about sherpa if you're trying to get out like Mm -hmm. from the window seat and the person stands up but doesn't actually like exit the row like they just kind of half stand up so you still have to crawl over their legs I actually don't care because I will probably go to the bathroom on any flight I am at least once, sometimes more than once. And I kind of feel bad. So if someone wants to just like kind of even like Like slide their knees. Yeah, I really don't mind climbing over people. I have climbed over sleeping people too. I can't stand being like touched. Like I I had this one guy who was just like subtle, like ever so slightly subtly touching me at all times, like with his knee or like the side of his arm. Did you know this person? No, but it was like so slight that it would have, it didn't warrant actually saying anything. And I would just like shift centimeter by centimeter and he would shift over. It was so obnoxious. This doesn't sound like an accident. Once you focus on something so small like that and you just like fixate on it, like you're done for, like your flight's ruined. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you on an airplane? One time a guy dropped his like very hard top Samsonite suitcase. He was lifting it. He, he was lifting it up into the overhead above me and dropped it completely square on the top of my head. Really? And it hurt so bad. I had to get like a little ice pack from the flight attendants. <laughs> People around me were like, dude, if you were elderly, you would have died. Yeah. Yeah. And like they were like, don't fall asleep. You might not wake up. <laughs> you might be concussed. I might have been like seriously concussed. <laughs> okay. Dude, another time this this guy had a full ass newspaper open, like a full 
newspaper and was like aggressively turning the pages so <laughs> loud. And when he'd finish a section, he'd like loosely take that section out, fold it up and stick it under the seat. Before too long, there were just like pages and pages of newspaper <laughs> like piling up at this guy's feet. He's rustling them with his shoes and they're like spilling over into <laughs> my foot area. And it's just I felt like in a hamster cage. Like, yeah, it was a nightmare. That's how it used to be back in, you know, the 60s when people flew. <laughs> when people read newspapers. And people wore suits on airplanes. And smoked. Yeah. Can you imagine? Sounds great, actually. Mm-hmm. Sounds like my Friday night. Not bad. I don't hate it. Not bad. The only thing recently that was even kind of a horror story is we hit like a bump when we were landing. And this woman, she's probably like 55. Her glasses went flying. <laughs> they really did. I was like watching her. She's right across the aisle from me. And she was just freaking out. She was like screaming, saying she'll be blind. She can't see. So she got on her hands and knees and crawled down um, <laughs> down the aisle on her hands and knees and was like going into people's seats. They had to make an announcement. They were like, please, everyone stay in your seat. And she was yelling, I lost my glasses. She's like, I can't see without them. And they're like, we understand. Their glasses, we'll find them. She's like, I don't understand. <laughs> we understand how they- <laughs> the function they perform for you. Yeah, I don't understand they could go so far, she kept saying. And they were like, we know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where is she now? She never got home. No, she found them. Someone found them. To 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 be fair, they were like thirty rows up. It was kind of insane. It was impressive. Okay, (laughs) all right. I have Scott Kai's number. We'll talk to him a little bit about this stuff. But we mainly we want to hear about how to get cheap flights. What's the method? Mm -hmm. Um, Planes are so mysterious, and booking planes are so it's it's hard. I just confusing. I know. This is the person that could unlock this for us. Right, I truly let's believe do that. It. Let's call him. All right, we are here on the phone with Scott Kyes of Scott's Cheap Flights. Scott, how are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here talking about my very favorite thing in the entire world, cheap flights. <laughs> Is it really your favorite thing in the world? You know, it wasn't always, but I've made so many travel mistakes in my life and have so many uh, uh, just kind of like a lot of people look back at photos, you know, from the uh, 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I used to wear that outfit. Oh, I can't believe I used to wear my hair in this, you know, some style. And for me, it's like, oh, I can't believe I paid a thousand dollars for flights to Europe. Oh, my God. What was I thinking? (laughs) So that's my own personal bugaboo. It's like the Jenko jeans of our generation. Exactly. There's a lot of shame uh, uh, in retrospect, but hey, it's never too late to improve. No, and you have done that. For the uninitiated, can you tell us a little bit about Scott's Cheap Flights, how it got started, and what you do? You know, I was never somebody who really was excited, you know, to start his own business. I was a journalist, actually, fresh out of college, not making a whole lot of money, but I really wanted to be able to see the world. So trying to figure out how can I take my meager bank account, but still be able to fly overseas. And what I realized is that, yeah, you know, airfare and flights and uh, can oftentimes be very expensive. They're very confusing, but sometimes they're really cheap. So this kind of embarked a multi-year quest where I was just trying to figure out all the little tips and tricks, things that you can do to try to make sure you're getting the best price possible. And it all then kind of culminated in uh, 2013 when I got the best deal that I've ever gotten in my life, which was nonstop from New York City to Milan for 130 bucks round trip like, man, of course, I got to go on this trip. So I went on this wonderful trip to, to Milan, you know, went skiing in the Alps and went to Lake Como and hiked in Cinque Terre. It was, it was wonderful. When I got back, all my 
friends and coworkers started asking me, hey, Scott, I heard about that really good deal you got. Uh, can you let me know next time you find a deal like that so I can get in on it too? And so by, by the time, you know, the seventh or eighth person <laughs> had asked me this, I realized, gosh, I need to start just some simple little email list and that way I can let everybody know at once. And so I didn't know it at the time, but in that moment, Scott's Cheap Flights was born. Yeah, so it's like the classic thing, like, if you're really good at it, you should be getting paid for it. Uh, yeah, I like to think of myself as a, a real accidental entrepreneur. So without giving away all of your methods and <laughs> ruining your business, <laughs> how do you find these cheap flights? First of all, I am more than happy to reveal uh, the secret sauce behind Scott's Cheap Flights. Uh, and it'll surprise some people. The secret to finding cheap flights is just having to spend 16, 18, 20 hours a day, every day, searching for flights. The truth of the matter is, airfare is so volatile. We saw a flight uh, a, a couple months ago that on, uh, it was, I believe, Atlanta to Amsterdam. On Monday was 800 bucks round trip. On Tuesday was 300 bucks round trip. And on Wednesday was 1300 bucks round trip. The exact same flight. The key is just to be there just to be watching, be monitoring. And so that's what I've been doing for years. And now we have a team of folks whose goal each and every day is to wake up and find those real kind of gems in the rough. Yeah, I mean, it's always a little disheartening, but um, realistic when you ask someone what their secret is and they're just like, we work really, really hard. <laughs> I was looking for a shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, it kind of feels like deflating a balloon in front of people, but I prefer to tell the truth. So we figured, look, we'd rather be the ones who can be searching for these flights and let folks go about their day, let folks be living their life, knowing that as soon as a really good deal pops up out of their airport, we're going to find it and we're going to let them know about it. So, Scott, what would you say is like the number one thing that people do wrong when they're searching for flights? Like what's just your like number one go to tip for people? Completely flip the way you search for flights. So what I mean by that is the approach that most people take is a three step process. Step one, we decide where we want to go. Step two, we decide when we want to go there. And only on step three do we go and bother to see, you know, what does it cost to get there? And unconsciously, by doing that, we are setting price as the third order priority. It's not terribly surprising that when you set price as the third priority, you end up getting pretty expensive flights. So I think this is a problem because most people, I think, are like me, where they have dozens and dozens of places that they'd like to visit in the world. So what I recommend to people take that same three-step process and flip it on its head. Step one, see, where are the cheap flights out of my home airport? Maybe flights are really expensive to Paris, but you could get to, to Zurich or to Rome or to uh, Athens for, you know, 400 bucks round trip. And then step two, deciding of those places where they're cheap, which ones interest you the most? And then step three of, you know, once you've settled on which location, are there dates there that are cheap and work with your schedule? So by setting price as the first priority, not only are you able to get much cheaper flights, but you're also able to, you know, unlocks a ton of things. You're able to take more trips because if you pay 350 or 400 bucks for a flight rather than a thousand bucks, you could take two or three trips rather than one. It makes the trip itself so much more kind of relaxed and fun because you're not stressing about all the money you paid for the flights. You're not worried, you know, 
trying to uh, be really tight fisted about every dollar spent on vacation because you're worried about your bank account. I mean, that's a really good point. I never thought about it like that. But here's what I'll counter. What if you have to buy a flight to a certain place in a very specific mm. time frame? I mean, one thing I've always heard is that flights are generally cheaper when you buy them on certain days of the week. I think it's what Tuesday is usually the day that people say, is that just BS? Is there a time? This is a, a, a long-standing rumor. You know, oh, is it cheapest to book flights on Tuesday at 1 p.m. or Wednesday at 5 a.m. or Saturday at midnight? Years ago, it was the case when airfare was first sold online, uh, the airlines really would load their fares once a week, typically, you know, sometime like Tuesday at 1 p.m., but they would load their fares all at once for the entire week. And they would have a very limited number of the cheapest seats available. And so if you were one of the first ones to book a flight right after they loaded their new fares up for the week, you really did have a much higher chance of getting a cheap flight. The problem is this hasn't been true for years. So it's much more dynamic and volatile than it used to be when it was just set once a week. So the bad news is that there's no one set time of the week, day of the week, day of the year or anything when it's cheapest to book flights. The good news is that any day is the cheapest day to book flights. Like, like every single day we see cheap flights popping up. I like to say we're living right now in the golden age of cheap flights. It has never been cheaper to travel internationally as it is today. I mean, we, gosh, I, we sent out a flight uh, uh, just a couple days ago that we found Boston to Barcelona for $177 round trip. That is unheard of, those types of fares, even a few years ago. And yet that's the type of fare that's becoming much more commonplace nowadays. Um, so while there's no single cheapest time of the week to book flights, there are cheaper days of the week to travel and cheaper uh, uh, times of the year. So the cheapest periods to travel are in terms of days of the week are going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday because they are dates that mm. business travelers tend to avoid. Business travelers typically tend to fly on Mondays, Fridays, and Sundays. And what do the airlines do? They jack up the price on those days because they know, you know, business travelers, they don't care what the price is. It's their company paying. It's their boss paying. What do they care? So that's why the fares tend to be really expensive on, say, a Monday or Friday, but tend to be really cheap on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, in terms of periods of the year, the uh, it, it won't surprise you terribly to learn that summer and Christmas New Year's are the two most expensive times of year to travel. The reason why is really because of the academic schedule. During the, you know, June, July, August and around kind of Christmas, New Year's, schools are out. Business people and students, they ruin everything, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been saying for years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's awesome. We're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back with a rapid fire round or a moderate fire round. You'll see what I mean. Okay, so we're here with Scott Kyes, not Scott Keys. You get that a lot, don't you? I feel kind of bad because I'll have friends who have known me for years and they'll just come up to me <laughs> no. one day. <laughs> Scott, I just learned how to actually pronounce your last name. What the hell? Why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I forgot, I didn't realize. <laughs> You're too nice. <laughs> I, I grew up in the Midwest, very easygoing. Oh yeah, Midwestern nice, that's totally a thing. Um, So this is our 
rapid fire round. But like I said, it's actually a moderate, it's a moderate fire round. We don't want you to have to rush through these. Some of these are lengthy questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kelly, you want to start us off? Yeah. So I'm curious, what are your like favorite sites, tools, apps for finding deals? And kind of mm-hmm. especially like this more like bohemian, spontaneous, like go where the wind blows you as the prices speak to you form of travel that you mentioned. Because mm. I have my own. I mean, I really, I really like Hopper, yeah. the app. Mm-hmm. And then I know Skyscanner mm-hmm. is a good one that people talk about. Like that's one where you can actually like search just like globally, like just where are the cheapest flights worldwide mm-hmm. right now. And then you can jump on things that way. But what are yeah. what are your go to methods or tools? Oftentimes, you know, people ask, oh, where's the cheapest place to book? And the sad truth is that they're all basically the same. There's not really like middleman mm. jack up in price or anything. Um, so, you know, if you really kind of prefer the user interface on one or another great go for it so it's it's not really worth like comparison shopping i think actually no it is worth comparison shopping but it's never one site that's always cheapest Mm, gotcha my personal favorite is google flights that has a really fast powerful algorithm and interface where you can be searching like seven airports and it'll just pull up the cheapest fare across all the possible uh, different routes, all the possible permutations. You can even do a map view where it'll say, you know, I just want to take one week trip sometime in the next six months in Europe and it'll show you, uh, okay, out of, you know, Philadelphia or Chicago, wherever you're flying from, here's uh, how it looks kind of on the map. Here's where it's cheapest now. Now you have to remember that airfare is not set in stone, but it gives you a sense in right now, this sort of snapshot in time, where is cheapest to fly to. And, and uh, I certainly, uh, uh, when I used to have an office job, that was always like fun for me to be able to daydream a little <laughs> bit about all the different places I could go and what it would cost and all that. Scott, just out of curiosity, how many times a year are you traveling? And like, how often are you personally taking advantage of the deals that your team is finding? Yeah, not enough. Um, so <laughs> if I haven't been on a flight for like a week or two, I just start to, I start to feel a little off, you know, I start to feel a little like, Oh, something, <laughs> something's weird. Something like, um, I, I feel a little too stationary right now, but that type of, of constant jet setting, constant on the go was actually a little bit, um, tricky then for trying to, uh, launch and run Scottsdale flights, especially when it was a much smaller operation, when it was, you know, just me or me and a few other folks, I used to get really nervous getting on a plane because Mm. if I had a few hours that I was completely disconnected from the internet, oh my God, what if a great cheap flight pops up? (laughs) My wife keeps a photo album of just bizarre places around the world that I've pulled out my laptop because I I found a cheap flight and I had to, you know, get it out to our members (laughs) on on a bench in the British Museum, you know, on the jet bridge in Amsterdam, uh, on the beach in Barcelona. So there is a Mrs. Cheap Flights. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, and that's actually one thing. My travel life has slowed down a bit in the past year because uh, we had our first kid late last fall. And so learning all congratulations. Thank you. Uh, learning all about traveling with a toddler, which is, is interesting and fun in its own right. A whole new set of challenges. It can be really beneficial. I'm learning all about like little kind of hacks about um, there's a lot of free checked baggage when you have a child, which can be really beneficial. You oh. get to board early. People are much more likely willing to give up their seat so you can sit together because who wants to be the one sitting next to the crying baby? <laughs> Do you need a real child? Can you <laughs> do they check to see if it's breathing 
I think I have actually read or saw an Instagram once where somebody had a stroller, but, you know, they didn't take the child out or it was like kind of unclear. <laughs> it seems like high risk, high reward to me. Yeah, sometimes it's worth it, though, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And another thing I want to ask you about, this is something I've always heard of, um, a mistake fair. Yeah. What is a mistake fair? They're like the white whales of the internet. They are. Are, are they like... Oh, man. I feel like they're like mythological at this point. Mm. The deals we send out are, are really good, but it's the mistake fairs that you just... Oh, man, that makes your day. Um, a mistake fair is when an airline accidentally sells a fare for way less than they intended to. Take that $130 flight that I got to Milan. United Airlines had no intention of selling that ticket for $130. But, you know, what? there are any number of reasons why they might have accidentally made that mistake. It's possible that they meant to sell it for $1,300 and somebody left the zero off the end. Uh, it's Sometimes there are, <laughs> like, overnight currency devaluations. Sometimes there is, uh, because... Airfare is so algorithmically driven nowadays. It can be an error in communication between different partners. So there is every once in a while a marketing stunt aspect to it. That's not common at all. But um, when these mistake fares happen, oh, they are they are the holy grail of the cheap flight world. <laughs> uh, we yeah. one of the best ones recently, for instance, was a business class mistake fare. Um, flights to all over Southeast Asia to. Vietnam, uh, Thailand, Bali, places like that, flights that normally cost well over $5,000 on sale for 560 bucks round trip. So, Yikes. Yeah. If my wife and I hadn't been expecting our first kid when those air, uh, flights <laughs> came out, believe me, we were going to get them. But um, half of my teammates bought the, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of Scottsheet Flights members were able to get that deal. And it was fun because the airline, not only do they honor the tickets but they like ran a little kind of twitter campaign around it oh you know some of you got the deal of a lifetime after our mistake uh you know you should yeah. tweet about it and 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 share your experience using <laughs> x y or z hashtag i'm a conspiracy theorist i think they do it on purpose ah. but if they don't you know an intern's getting fired or something so i still feel kind of bad they don't have to honor ones that are uh obviously a mistake but most airlines still do. But the thing is, because they're a mistake, they don't last very long. You know, it's a four or five, six hours at most. And that's why we try to be constantly searching, you know, all day, every day so that when they do pop up, we give our, our members enough time to be able to book it before it disappears. Scott, is there any way in any universe that I can get upgraded or like fulfill my dream of flying business class or even like premium economy cheaply? Whether that's a booking trick, anything like besides going through the point system, is there, mm -hmm. do you have any kind of advice on that? Uh, the short answer is it's really tough. And yeah. you can you can safely ignore most of the bullshit that's like, oh, dress nicely and they'll be more likely to upgrade you. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like be friendly to the gate agent or tell them it's your honeymoon or something like maybe it worked like 25 years ago. It's not working today. I think that for you to be able to achieve this business class uh, dream is to get bumped. Next time they're asking mm. for volunteers, if you have any flexibility in your plans or schedule, one of the little hidden secrets is that everything is negotiable. So it's not just how much compensation, you know, they'll, they'll talk, oh, we're offering a $300 travel voucher. I actually have a friend who got a $10,000 travel voucher once because they were that 
desperate for volunteers. But the thing is, when they're especially in a situation like that or anything approaching that when when they're that desperate, you can ask for other things. You can ask for, you know, on this on the flight that you're reassigned to, you'd like a business class seat or you'd like a first class seat. Uh, You know, I'd like to get a lounge pass for while I'm waiting. Can I have some restaurant food credit? All these types of things are negotiable. They're not going to offer it necessarily, but they can be asked for and they can usually be be granted, uh, you know, if the, the airline's in a tight spot. I would like to fly the plane for a few minutes <laughs> and negotiate exactly. that. I want that I just want, like two minutes. I want that pilot pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're talking about talking to people, to airline representatives. Um, I know I recently had a flight canceled um, kind of last minute mm-hmm. and I... I had great success talking to one airline representative on the phone, but that was only after I tried a few and I reached some dead yes. ends. That's actually one of the, I think, most tried and true strategies. It's called, uh, they actually have an acronym for it in the flight world, uh, H-U-C-A, hang up, call again. <laughs> it's like if you yeah. are just kind of hitting a dead end, uh, you want you know compensation for the canceled flight. Oh, you want to be you know booked onto this other flight, but they're not budging. Typically trying to convince somebody, very difficult. But with airlines, there is so much gray area that the agents have authority to be able to, you know, offer compensation, be able to put you on different flights, be able to do this, do that. And so if you're not making progress with one, that's the best strategy. You're much more likely to get a sympathetic ear by by trying somebody else rather than trying to plead your case just to the one person. One little secret trick is to go on the airline's website and pull up their call center numbers and call one of the foreign call centers because Ooh. you know while the one in the US is going to be slammed with with travelers trying to call to rebook the one in the UK or the one in Australia or even the one in Canada probably you know no weight at all and so trying trying That's those brilliant. ones and That's then, so good. Yeah, uh, you're much more likely to be able to get through quicker. I don't want to air this episode because I don't want other people to know <laughs> these things. I'm like, all of these things I want to implement myself uh, immediately. What's the first thing you should do when you get that horrible email that says, mm. you know, you're not going where you think you're going tonight? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've been there many times. You know, the flight gets canceled. So there are a few things that I always try to do. Um, first, I'm looking at alternative flights because each agent, you know, they work really hard, but they've got tons and tons of people that they're trying to service and they're trying to get folks taken care of as quickly as possible. And so they, you know, you're always going to be the one who's best able to look out for your own interests. Checking out your options and being proactive that way is is really key uh, for one. For two, what I'm doing um, is I'm looking up what credit card did I use to buy this flight? Because this is actually one of the reasons why I'm really anti-travel insurance for most trips, because tons of credit cards automatically carry travel protections and travel insurance on them already, as long as you use that credit card to purchase the flight. And then the last thing is to call the agents because standing in line is, you know, if I get canceled when I'm at the airport, there's usually going to be really long lines to talk to folks in person. So I'll usually do both. I'll go stand in line. If I'm right up front, great. If it's a while, I might be able to actually get through to the uh, a phone agent quicker than actually talking to a gate agent. Cool. You know, you fly a lot. You said if you don't go a week without flying, you feel a little weird. So we want to get your opinions on some of uh, the most divisive plane issues of our day. <laughs> Let's do it. First, I'm interested. Are you an aisle guy or a window guy? 
I recently switched. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been a window guy for most of my life. I love it. It's still, you know, to this day, love looking out the windows, just seeing the whole world from a whole different vantage point. But I think I get older. I don't know. I get just more bothered by having to get up and get out and, and feeling trapped in the window if I need to use the bathroom while I'm on the, the flight. So I've kind of switched to aisle. Yeah, I'm, I'm a middle guy. I, <laughs> I like to feel snug. So <laughs> My wife is the same way. <laughs> oh, I was just kidding. Well, <laughs> um, what's your favorite free snack? Oh, th- those Biscoff cookies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. Gosh, what are the uh, uh, speculoos, I think is the name f- uh, of the, the type of cookie. But yeah, just delicious. And especially I always get yeah. a cup of tea on the plane. And so it's always it always goes well with it. Will, what do you get? I like a Bloody Mary almost exclusively on an airplane. It just Same. tastes better on an airplane, I think. There's science behind that, I think. Yeah, isn't there, Keller? You know a little bit about that. Yeah, like your taste buds are different at altitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's, I think it's like a little less sharp. It's a little smoother. There you go. Do you check your bag or do you carry on? I used to be exclusively carry on. Yeah. I never wanted to risk, you know, losing my bag. I've, I've had bags lost or delayed. And so just carrying it with me. Uh, was always the play. After having a kid, uh, that approach is no longer feasible. Like the amount of stuff we have to bring just for our daughter probably rivals as much stuff as my wife and I bring collectively. And so there's no way to be able to uh, avoid checking a bag anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. What are you going to do? The things you give up for your children, right? It's one of the more selfless uh, things that people do every day. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve on a flight? Mm, probably when people mistreat uh, flight attendants. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I hate pe- seeing people like be rude and jerks to one another in general. But I always find it very charming when people either clap when a plane lands or <laughs> are, are so eager to like get their bag that they stand up way before we've gotten to the gate. And then there's just this like battle between the flight attendant trying to tell him, sit down, we're not at the gate yet. Da, da, da. And then I'm just like, I want my bag. Da, da, da. So I don't know. I always get amused by by those interactions. That is so annoying. I hate when people stand <laughs> up. Again. There's like no reason to do it. Why are you standing up? Yeah. There's no reason at all. Or people all stand up together and one person is like charging ahead <laughs> to try and get as close to the door as possible. It's like, yeah. no, there's like a system <laughs> here. You file out accordingly unlike the boarding process which is just anarchy well yeah. i mean we live I in think, a society i think we've kind of collectively agreed as a society that there's basically no laws in the airport or on the airplane but you know once you get <laughs> off the plane laws apply again and so you have to you have to take advantage of your dwindling time when there's no laws <laughs> that's definitely true okay we're gonna take another quick break and when we get back we'll talk about easily the most divisive plane etiquette issue ever reclining your seat All right, Scott, so you seem like a pretty easygoing person, and I am too. I really am. But especially now in my older age, I hate it when people recline their seats. I personally think that seats shouldn't even recline. I think they should just be how they are, and we should have to deal with it. It just it makes the flight so much more uncomfortable, and it creates a chain reaction where everyone reclines their seats, and that's just how the plane is Um What's your take on that? I I would love to hear it. You know, it's interesting. Spirit Airlines has really pioneered this approach where they use what are called pre-reclined seats, which I think is a real charming uh, marketing device in basically saying it's just normal seats. They don't 
recline, but calling them pre-reclined really, uh, really adds the cherry on top. <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion on whether folks should or shouldn't recline. I'll, I rarely recline myself. I guess if somebody reclines in front of me, I like, you know, there's that agency reaction. Ah, I've less space. And, but then like pretty quickly, I get used to it. So I see both sides and like in the grand scheme of things in this crazy mixed up world, it's like not that big of a deal. Like you're not evil for reclining, but like just because you can do something, does that mean that you should? I mean, speaking as a six foot tall person who also like tries to work on a laptop on the plane, like you're reclining into my lap, you're a flight ruiner. Like it's just feels like a giant fuck you. And like, I I would say it it, like depends on like the time of day and the length of the flight. Mm. Like if it's an 8 a.m. or like a red eye, everyone's asleep anyway, sure, do what you got to do. But like, if it's a three hour flight in the middle of of the afternoon, like I see you, you're not sleeping. You're like leaning up anyway to scroll through movies and eat. Sure. It's really obnoxious. And like, you're probably about five, five with like plenty of leg room to spare. Like why? Well, maybe back problems, but Okay. Yeah. Of course, sometimes there are like exceptions, but generally. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is it doesn't make you that much more comfortable, but it makes the person behind you very uncomfortable. Right. And that's what you have to think about. But some people don't care. Some people only think about themselves. What I haven't seen in a long time, you know, I don't know if you saw a few years ago, they, some company invented uh, basically some insert that you can put in your seat that prevents the person in front of you from being oh, able yeah. to recline. Yep. I'm a little surprised that, that that we haven't seen more of that uh, being discussed. But yeah, people have a lot of uh, a lot of feelings on the matter. Those sea locks are actually prohibited from airports. No kidding. Well, that yeah. would explain why I guess we haven't seen that story. Yeah, because um, it was such a big deal because people would like flip out. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, so, Scott, where are you going next? What's your next vacation on the books? Mm, I'm going to uh, Hawaii. You know, I live out in the Pacific Northwest, and it gets very gray and rainy um, this time of year. And it, I love it, but it's always good to have a little something warm and sunny to look forward to. Uh, Do you ever vacation by yourself? I used to, and I think it's. I think it's a really cool and, and worthwhile thing to do because you learn a lot about yourself in the process. A lot of people do it and find that they love traveling by themselves. It's the, you know, the best way for them to, to, to be able to, to travel. But um, for me, it was one of those things that it taught me a lot about why I didn't love doing that and, and made me even appreciate more traveling with others. You wanted Mrs. Cheap Flights on the road with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the coolest place you've ever been? Your favorite, like all-time favorite destination? Uh, so I've got two. I, I, I take a little indulgence. I hope you don't mind when um, get asked where my favorite place is because I, I'd say there's a tie for number one between Mexico and Japan. Both just incredible countries uh um you know wonderful places to eat such amazing different uh tourist spots throughout the country japan is really highly rated and and appropriately rated i think mexico is pretty underrated especially parts of interior mexico i mean mexico city is just an incredible world-class city like one you know totally uh, uh the amount of stuff, the amount of incredible food, culture, museums, art, going to Lucha Libre shows there, going to, you know, down to the canals. Like, there's beautiful, wonderful stuff throughout Mexico City, going to places like Puebla or Oaxaca or Chiapas. So I 
am a huge advocate for going to Mexico more, especially because it's so damn close. I love Mexico City. It's, it's one of my favorite places in the world. But my number one destination that I have not been yet is Japan. So I'm tasking mm. you, Scott, mm. <laughs> to personally send me some deals if you ever come across them. There have been a real glut of good deals to Japan lately for complicated reasons. It's not worth going into at too much detail. But the good news is that I think Japan is one of those places that's going to continue to get uh, a lot of good deals, much more than it used to, because historically it's been one of the more expensive places to fly to in Eastern Asia. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed that that continues. And also just going back to Mexico City, my parents are huge fans of yours. Oh. My, well, my dad is a huge fan. My mom, not so much because my dad just like spontaneously <laughs> like books flights all the time without consulting her. And he's like, oh, by the way, we're going to Mexico City in March. Um, uh, well, tell him I said thank you and my apologies. <laughs> For sure. Do people ever get mad at you? You're breaking up marriages. Sometimes. Do they really? Yeah. Well, you know, folks will say, "Ah, I've maxed out my PTO already. But gosh, (laughs) you know, $250 flights to Rome just popped up. Like, how can I say no? I get it. The other interesting thing, too, while it is a little bit cheaper to travel uh, to take domestic flights than it used to be, there's not nearly the same amount of drop on domestic flights as there used to be. And so one, like unexpected side effect uh certainly for me of of working this job is that it's made expensive domestic flights all that much more painful because you know when do you need domestic flights like you're flying home for the holidays uh, one of the most expensive times a year to fly and so it'd be like you know i don't know five hundred dollars to fly home to ohio and i'll be like i could buy two flights to Rome for that price. And you're, you know, asking me to play $500 to fly to Dayton. Like it makes it that much more painful, you know? Yeah. The intricacies of airline economics is really fascinating for me, but I would probably end up going on for like 30 minutes if we were to really get into it. So I'll try to bite my tongue a little bit on, uh, on, on why that is. But the, the, the overarching reason is, is, they're just competition. You know, it's why there's not that many flights to and from Pittsburgh. And so flights tend to be more expensive as a result. Businessmen and students, huh? That's mm-hmm. what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what's what's one destination you would recommend above all others for 2020? Whether it's, you know, you think that flights might be much cheaper in 2020 or just, hey, this is a great time to visit this place. One that I would really that I would recommend that has been historically very expensive, but we're seeing more and more cheap flights available to is uh, Western Africa. So places like Ghana, places like uh, Togo, even Nigeria or Senegal. Historically, uh, there just have not been very many flights. Again, going back to competition being the primary determinant how expensive it is and so to fly from the u.s to parts of western africa would cost well over 12 13 1400 wow lately in the past like month or two we've been seeing those fares drop significantly down to you know 650 600 550 sometimes even as low as 500 bucks uh, uh, for flights, especially out of places like uh, New York, Boston, D.C., Atlanta, Miami. And so if you can, you know, find one of these great deals to uh, Western Africa, I would take advantage because they don't happen that often. And it's, again, we're talking about places that are really, really fascinating ones, but that don't get nearly as much tourism as they should. That's an area you don't really think about visiting, you know? One of the wonderful things I think about cheap flights is that 
Look, if you take one trip a year because you paid a thousand dollars for that flight, like you, where are you going to go? You got to play to the big hits. You know, you got to go to Paris. You got to go to Tokyo. You got to go to Sydney. But if you start getting cheap flights, you start really prioritizing getting fares when they're cheap. All of a sudden the world opens up and you can start going to a lot of places that are not really on the upper echelon of tourist paths, but that can be really amazing. Some of the, the favorite places that I've ever been to in the world are places that I was able to get a cheap flight to and probably wouldn't have visited if I didn't get a cheap flight to. So it's places like Trinidad and Tobago, places like Lithuania, uh, uh, places like Bulgaria or Taiwan that have been, I, you know, some of my favorite places that I've, that I've ever been. And I never would have visited if I'd only taken one trip a year because I paid, was paying, you know, a thousand or $1,200 in flights. Not everywhere is going to be amazing, but it also means because you prioritize cheap flights, it means you're going to be able to take another trip in like three or four months. And so no big deal if one turns out to, to be not quite as, uh, as great as you had hoped. Yeah. You know, Scott, you seem to really love what you do and you seem to really connect with your fans and your followers. And I, I think that people really love you too and mm. what you do. It seems like they almost act like they I know you. I could not ask for a better job. I mean, to be able to help people take trips that they didn't think they'd be able to afford. Holy shit. I mean, that to see that like singular moment of just uncut, unadulterated joy when they book that $300 flight to Madrid or that, you know, $400 flight to uh, to Tokyo that they never thought they'd be able to afford. And that that's just unbelievable. How many members are currently subscribed? We've got over 2 million members wow. who are part of Scott's Cheap Flights. It is unbelievable to me that because, again, remember, this started just as a simple little email list. It was just a hobby for my friends, something I did purely for the love of the game. And so the fact that now there's over 2 million people on there is 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 completely mind-blowing to me. You know, it also started as a simple email list. Thrillist.com. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, yeah, I didn't know we had true. that in common. That's amazing. Do you think you'll ever expand to Scott's cheap stays, cheap car rentals, maybe mm. even <laughs> cheap, cheap yachts? It's a great question. And, you know, we keep our <laughs> options open. Right now, I feel like we're just still scratching the surface of what are the, all the things we can do to make sure that people are never overpaying for flights again, to make sure that folks are getting the deals that they want when they want them, where they want to go and booking them before they disappear. And so I think it's the flight that really unlocks the trip for people. They know there's tons of hotels out there. They know there's tons of different car rentals or tour operators or stuff like that, but you have to get that mm -hmm. flight first and you want to make sure that you don't uh, uh, overpay for it. Otherwise it could really, uh, it could really end up kind of, being a, a drag on the trip if you end up paying too much for uh, for your flight. That's awesome. And you always sign your emails off with love, Scott's <laughs> cheap flights. Mm. And I feel like you really do love us. And that's why you do this I for do. Us. You know, I come at this as a traveler. I come at this as somebody who really loves cheap flights and just wants to share that uh, uh, with other folks and help other people be able to, to, to travel and see the world. All right, Scott Kyes, the Robin Hood. <laughs> of modern day plane travel, I think. I don't know. Has anyone ever called you that before? Is this the first? No, but I should, we I should start uh, using that. I really <laughs> like that. For anybody out there who's looking to travel, who likes cheap flights, we would be honored to find and send you deals at scottscheapflights.com. No apostrophes, no underscores, no nothing. Just scottscheapflights.com. Thank you so much for coming on. This was Thank awesome. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. 
All right, so big thanks to Scott Kais for coming on. So I'm really excited, actually. Two of the places he mentioned to go in 2020, we are featuring on our list of best places to go in 2020. Which ones? Uh, Tokyo and then Cape Verde, which is like a series of islands off the coast of West Africa. I like so it. So we got it right. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you plan a vacation around this episode. Lots of good stuff. All right, so podcasts just don't make themselves. I want to thank Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, and Ocean McAdams on the Thrillist side for making all this happen. Brett Kushner, David Zwick, and Emily Feld, our Group 9 fam. My podcast partner in crime, Molly Schulson, who produced this episode and did a great job, if I do say so myself. iHeartRadio's Mangesh Hatsukudar. Our editor, Randy Scott Carroll. And of course, our faithful mixer, Ernie Indradap. He makes it sound great. Okay, we'll see you next week. <laughs>